hello, 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 and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam, and we are back, which I have had to say for like two weeks in a row now because we've had some weird scheduling stuff. I think I'll just start saying it every time now. Like, we are back. That way, no matter who is listening and when they last listened or when our last episode was, they'll just be excited. They'll be hit in the face with some energy right away. Yes. Uh, let's just assume that we, the last person who listened to us took a three week hiatus themselves yes. and they think, wow, I got to get back into that. And right. they are getting back into it. Not us. It's on them. It's on them. Yeah. I like that. Uh, we live in a blame society. We like to put blame on other people. So that, that fits, that fits, but that's right. I blame but, the listeners. <laughs> I blame the devil. I blame the devil. I think uh, he's he's out to get us, man. It's just been it's been bad news. Kirk's literally st- like still having allergy or sickness or something. I've been sick. Uh, we had scheduling conflicts and all kinds of stuff, but you can't keep us down. And as we all know, the devil is a liar. So here we are. Here we are. Um, and also, I would like to say that. It's been too long. It's always too long, and we're going to do better. And also, for those of you loyal listeners, because I get mad at, about this as a, as a podcast listener myself, I get mad whenever the schedule is irregular. I apologize to you. I really do. It's been, it's been a rough go, but we're getting back on track, and it all starts right now with this episode. That's right. That's right. We are recording 16 episodes back-to-back. <laughs> we're starting right starting now. now. We're not going to Marathon sleep. mode. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be good, but we're we're back. Um, we have tons of news to cover, as always. Some big, big, big stories going on. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about some Marvel stuff. We're going to be talking about some big projects coming out of Disney, some big projects coming out of the John Wick universe. We've got lot, lots of different things going on. we got lots of new trailers to talk about. Um, it's going to be a good time, and then... We want you guys to swing back on Friday to listen to our review of Eternals, which we're going to record right after this as well. Marvel's Eternals. It's the third MCU movie to be released this calendar year, and it's the third of four. So there will will still be one more, which is crazy because Black Widow came out in July, and so it's been like total MCU marathon mode. And between now and Spider-Man, we get Hawkeye. So it's like... It's nonstop, man. It really is. It's That's nonstop. Right. This calendar year of 2021, although it, you know, it didn't bite as hard as 2020, mm-hmm. but it's it's close. It's a really close second, obviously. Um, but because we've had so much exciting Marvel content, I mean, we had Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, WandaVision above all uh, ahead of all of that. Uh, you said three MCU films. I couldn't even remember the other two yeah. uh, because my mind is so like focused on Eternals and focused on Hawkeye coming up. So it has been a full a full content year. Bravo to the entertainment industry for not letting anything get uh, shuttered at all. Yeah, it's crazy. There there are still so many movies coming out this year. You know, you think about The Matrix, uh, Spider-Man, No Way Home, West Side Story. I mean, just like huge, huge name movies. And we're like less than two months away from the end of the year and all that stuff is still coming. So it has been quite a rebound for the entertainment industry. Uh, the box office numbers are starting to come back. COVID cases are on the decline. Uh, feels like a bit of a repeat of where we were at in June, but you know, it's, 
it's not bad. We'll take it. And uh, things are things are on the up and up, and there's lots of stories to go along with it. So why don't we get into it, Kirk? Why don't we just hop right into it? Because I don't know that we'll have time otherwise, because there's just there's honestly just too much. I'm so glad you said that. Let's do this. Let's pop it up. All right. Where to begin? Where to begin, Kirk? We have tons and tons and tons of casting news this week. Um, and really over the last two weeks, because we're playing a little bit of catch up here. Let's start here. This Wicked movie that we've been hearing about for oh so long. How long do you think we've been hearing about this Wicked movie, Kirk? Uh, I think since 2008, since yeah. Wicked hit Broadway, they were ready to make the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I can, I've heard countless casting rumors, fan castings, directors attached, studios attached, etc. Well, now it is finally happening. Uh, the Wicked movie, which will be directed by John M. Chu of In the Heights fame. He directed that film, as well as um, Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, he'll be directing this adaptation and the news this week on the casting, the two biggest castings, of course, associated with Wicked, are Glinda and Elphaba, and those roles will be filled by, respectively, Ariana Grande and Miss Cynthia Erivo, which, huge names. Cynthia Erivo is, you know, future EGOT. She's, uh, like, that's happening, right? <laughs> um, she's a... Uh, She's an incredible talent. And Ariana Grande, obviously a pop culture superstar, pop singer, um, has done some acting of her own right. Of course, started uh, on what? Victorious? Is that the show that she started on? That's right. Yeah, they are. Both of them are fascinating. It's it's a very interesting choice. They must have had phenomenal auditions because those two, while good in their own right, are not, absolutely not the first pick for anyone uh, on the bingo card for Elphaba and Glinda. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Cynthia Revo was not a casting that I thought of, but as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh yes, this'll be good. Because she has range galore, vocal and acting, actually. She's an incredible singer, so I have the utmost faith in her to absolutely deliver on Defying Gravity and all of the big Alphabet tunes. Like, I think it's going to be great. I think the first performance that really came to mind for me with Cynthia Erivo being cast in this role was really uh, her performance in The Outsider, which was the Stephen King adaptation show for HBO, where she played this, like, super genius, very quirky kind of genius person. And so immediately as I thought back on that performance, I was like, this could work This could work for, for Alphaba. Um, because... She wasn't your typical quirky genius. She she like she had very human. She still was very human in her <laughs> reactions, which sometimes when you get like the quirky genius, they just make it into such a tiny bit like like such a cornered off bit part that it's not even doesn't even feel human or relatable anymore, but she did such an excellent job with that performance that I have the utmost faith in her as Alphaba. Uh Ariana Grande, I mean, it is what it is. Like I'd be lying if I said I was a huge fan of anything that she's put out into the world, either as an actor or as a singer, just my personal preferences uh, there. So we'll see. I mean, obviously her, her tonality as a singer makes sense for Glinda. Um, we'll get another look at her on the silver screen in uh, Don't Look Up, which is coming out later this year on Netflix. She's in that movie. I think it's a pretty small role, but not sure that she has... Not sure if she has the acting chops for it, just my initial read on it. And so 
I feel very mixed, like exactly mixed, <laughs> like 50-50. I like one one casting. I kind of dislike the other casting, and so that's where I'm at. But I don't know about you, Kirk. Very tough. You know, Cynthia Revo won her Tony for the revival of The Color Purple, the musical. Absolutely slayed the performance. It yeah. was absolutely incredible. If you have time uh, after you listen to this entire podcast, <laughs> go and check out YouTube performances of her performing at the Tony's Live. It's absolutely, absolutely mesmerizing. Um, so big win right there. Again, not the first choice. Wouldn't even see her as someone who's interested in that role. Um, but bravo. I mean, obviously she was because she went out for the part. So kudos to her. Ariana Grande is the big question mark here. Big question yeah. mark. Um, she fits the role a little bit because obviously she is very feminine. She is very girly. Um, you know, a lot of her, um, a lot of her, you know, spectacle is pink and purples, you know, very, very girlish, you know, as Glinda is in, in uh, Wicked. Um Miss Ariana Grande has her roots tied into Broadway mm -hmm. because she was in a musical called 13 many moons ago. Um, I say many moons ago. She's like 30. And uh, this was when she was 13. The musical was called 13 by Jason Robert Brown did very well, but it's very difficult to take kids on the road for a musical because of schooling and child labor laws. So I think that the Broadway aspect that she'll be able to tie in her voice away from her pop self and into the Broadway world for this film. But she does a lot of things wrong. I mean, pre-COVID, she was licking donuts in public restaurants and putting them back and up to no good. Um, but I think she's also learned a lot. So I'm play devil's advocate. I'm going to say both of them are going to do very well, despite them not being anyone's first choice for Glenda and Elphaba. Yeah, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you called out her Broadway experience. I think that's a good I think that's a good note. I, I would say that I expect this to be to feel even less like acting in a Broadway performance than most musical adaptations because it will have to be more like a full-scale blockbuster movie in terms of the types of effects and things that they're going to have to use to pull off uh, this film and to make it make sense on the screen. Um, so that will be, I think that will be a little bit of a different experience and we'll see how it comes to life. I think it's a very ambitious project. I've always thought that about this, you know, everybody always wants to take the hit musical and adapt it to the screen. Sometimes you got to take a step back and say, does that make sense? And, and will it work? And I think that there are big question marks there, uh, with this one, but be we'll see only time will tell so yeah i mean speaking of musicals i believe they're also i don't know how far along it is i believe they're also trying to make mean girls the musical back into a movie um there's <laughs> it's been in talks for a long time uh it makes you think of like catch me if you can became a musical a number of years ago after yeah. the hit steven spielberg film is that gonna be it you know dirty rotten scoundrels I mean, what, uh, finding yeah. neverland what are we doing there's, here <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna make those back into movies but the musical version <laughs> i don't know what's going to happen but all i know is that this movie wicked is going to be so unpredictable i don't know you know dr dillamond i'm waiting who's going to be cast as that big deal not really anyone could be cast as that but i'm curious as to what direction is this going to look like is it going to look uh eerie, like an eerie wizard of oz you know like it's because it's a prequel or is it just going to take a completely different turn it's a tough aesthetic to nail. It just really is. I think so many people envision the original, and, and that's 
can't blame people for that. It's an absolute classic, something that everybody has seen, you know, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. So to recreate that aesthetic is near impossible. To do a take on it that people will just willingly accept is also very difficult. So like like I said, it's just, it, you know, it's an ambitious project. I think it will, it's not one of these things that you just go, that's going to be a slam dunk because it, I don't think it is. I don't think it's a guaranteed slam dunk. So this yep. is going to be one to keep an eye on, no doubt. I'd just like to throw my hat in for the part of Fiero as I once played the Scarecrow. Yeah. Um, just want to throw that out there right now. I mean, Aaron Tveit should be cast as it, but I, would I was like going to say the Aaron Tveit, Jonathan Groff uh, thing is going to be hard to, you know, one of those two is probably going to scoop it up, I'd imagine. Most likely. Most likely. We'll what see. if they put Norbert Leo Oh, Butts, Harry Styles? Oh my gosh, Harry Styles would be so good. He would be. He actually oh, really would man. be. They put Norbert Leo Butts in there. He's like 50. No. <laughs> he's like much older than everybody else in the cast, but he's the original Fiero. So they're like, hey, he's, I'm back. It had to work. Also, I love Norbert Leo Butts. St. Louis native. Boom, boom. Represent. Okay, moving right along. Speaking uh, of the department of what are we doing, uh, Chris Pratt has been cast as Garfield, according to The Hollywood Reporter, in the new animated Garfield film. What exactly is happening right now? Um, you know, the Mario casting is is what it is. We obviously talked about that already. This is in the exact same vein. If anything, it's a slightly better fit than him as Mario, I would say. But still, like, a total head-scratcher in every possible way. And also, you know, I don't know who even owns the IP of Garfield at this point, but, like, who is clamoring for this film? I think whoever does own the IP for Garfield is really ticked off about the Zombieland 2 post credit scene where <laughs> Bill Murray just roasts that movie and he's trying to, he or she is trying to uh, gain back some notoriety with Garfield, but it's not going to work. It's absolutely not going to work. No, it's not going to work. And like, I, at this point, I'm concerned about the kinds of decisions that Chris Pratt and his agent are making at this, at this point in his career. Like he is still an absolute movie superstar, the head of so many huge franchises, including Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World. You know, he's been involved in so many enormous projects and still is. And these are the kinds of roles that we're picking up. Like, I, I understand money is money, and I'm sure the pay is good, but, like, at some point, why? Like, <laughs> at some point, why, why are we doing this? I really don't right. understand. It sounds like his son has become his new agent, and he's like, Yeah, it could be. Mario Garfield. Yeah, Jack's like, listen, man, let's let's make it happen. You like, you can get me Mario toys, or you can be Mario. Like, that's the that's the option. <laughs> I, I prefer that you be Mario. I mean, I, I get that. Lots of lots of actors do things for their kids, so maybe it has something to do with that. Um, you know, the biggest takeaway I had from this is, of course, it opened up the door for more people to slander Chris Pratt on Twitter, which absolutely will not be tolerated under any circumstances for me. And if you feel like you have a good argument for slandering Chris Pratt, I would I would love to talk to you because I think I have some excellent counter arguments and we could have a pretty lively discussion. But I will just say that no Chris Pratt slander will be tolerated by me ever. And like the the re, the thing that they were blowing him up for, like his post where they were like trying to make it seem like he was criticizing Anna Ferris for giving him a son that had health issues. Like, yikes! That come on, guys. We're, please be better than that. There, there is it, it was in no way that, and let's not. So, 
Right. I mean, you can celebrate each kid individually. Like, yeah, it was, you know, you don't want to come. The internet compared them. He was just celebrating one. Who's to say he didn't already have planned the next day to say, Hey, today's this kid's day. Right. And, you know, like, it's and like him simple. and Anna Ferris are on good terms. Like I, I just, let's not, I, I, I get why people attack him because you know, he's a Republican and he's a Christian and all these different things and people want to, and, and you know, there's the thing about the church. Like I said, I have good counter arguments for all of these things, but I will not tolerate it because every person who has ever worked with this guy, regardless of their political or religious affiliations has nothing but good things to say about him. I'm talking Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, James Gunn, uh, Dave Batista, Zoe Saldana, all these people who have strong political and religious views in the opposite direction of him right they just gush about how good of a guy he is and for all intents and purposes like he hasn't shown anything otherwise so anyway i'm not going to get into it but i was not okay with that uh but i'm also not okay with him taking the role of garfield i'll be clear about that as well because it's (laughs) it's bizarre and i am not looking forward to having to see this film at all something that will also not be tolerated no i will not (laughs) tolerate this movie i think it will be absolutely terrible i cannot envision (laughs) I have never liked Garfield, really. Like, the whole bit, I just... It's never been a thing for me. I don't anticipate any scenario in which this is good. Do you? You know what would be, like, absolutely atrocious? This just came to my mind. Is if Garfield... You know, like, on SNL, where they kind of, like, CGI faces into uh, characters? Sometimes it looks terrible. What if... Oh, no. (laughs) What if they CGI Chris Pratt's face into (laughs) Garfield? (laughs) Like, deep fake... Chris Pratt like a Garfield. Deep fake Garfield, <laughs> but it's like a stretched cat mushed. No, Chris I Pratt. hate that. I hate everything about that. Chris Pratt. That's what it should be. Yeah. No. I think even I don't know that that could make it much worse, but it, I think that I don't know. It's bad. Maybe that's how they save the movie. That's what they do. That's the design of the character. It could be. That could that could be the thing to save it. I don't know. I think it's going to be really bad. I think it's going to be really, really bad. And I, I, I honestly think this Mario <laughs> movie is going to be bad too, but we'll see. We'll, we'll save this clip for later <laughs> when they both end up somehow being amazing and I have to eat my words. <laughs> okay, next. Um, this one, man. Hold on. I got to pull this up because this is, this is absolutely hilarious to me in every possible way. This is the Vin Diesel. Uh, <laughs> his the Vin Diesel story. Kirk already knows what I'm talking about. He's, he's shaking his head, but, uh, so here's, here's the gist of it. Um, Vin Diesel took to social media to make an open plea to Dwayne Johnson. Okay. So for background here, Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson have beef in a major way that led to you know, Dwayne Johnson saying, I'm not doing Fast and the Furious anymore. After Hobbs and Shaw, I'm out. Peace. Um, there are lots of different stories about how that beef ar- arose, but generally it it stems from either one of two things or both, potentially. One, Vin Diesel was mad at, at Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham for doing a spinoff of, of the Fast Saga without the rest of the other people he felt like that was breaking up the family like literally this was before the family meme started he was saying things like this this is this is like an actual thing that happened also Dwayne Johnson 
doesn't like Vin Diesel because Vin Diesel was like trying to school him on set, like giving him all kinds of acting critiques and tough love and things like that. And Dwayne Johnson was like, no, like Vin Diesel was comparing himself to Fellini, like saying he's this, he's this like movie virtuoso and was just trying to get uh, the best performance out of Dwayne Johnson. And Dwayne Johnson literally laughed about that in an, in an interview and was like, yeah, absolutely not. So, the latest development is that Vin Diesel took to Instagram to make his plea to Dwayne Johnson. Didn't do it, didn't like say, like try to set up a meeting and we heard about it via TMZ or anything. Like literally posted an Instagram post with this photo of them from Fast and the Furious. And here's what it says. My little brother Dwayne, the time has come. The world awaits the finale of Fast 10. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There is not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes, but the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast <laughs> fast in the finale that is 10. I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs can't can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Wow, wow, wow. Kirk, you have the floor. Your reaction to this. Initial thoughts, two things. First of all, that Instagram post has over 2 million likes. Over 2 million likes. Just let that sink in, everyone. Yeah, those are the, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, half of them have to be ironic. Maybe more. Absolutely, absolutely. The second item, um, I want to go back in time um, and find the person who voiced the dramatic reading of a breakup letter, and I would like him to read that <laughs> yes, be out loud. Because what in the world? What in the world? We have to, we have to talk about Pablo. I promised you ten years ago, the fast finale. Like this is the most melodramatic ridiculous love letter to another man I've ever seen in my life. It's insane. It's insane. He's talking about this like this is the fate of the earth is at stake. Like that is the, the words he's using. It's time for you to rise to the occasion. He says the time has come at least twice in that statement. Um, it's, it is cringe city and, and it's hilarious and embarrassing and all of these different things. But I'm like, Dwayne Johnson is not coming back. I have watched plenty of interviews where I feel like there is not a dollar amount in the world that could get him to come back. And I'm certain that this will not work. Maybe there, maybe money can help, but I do not think this helps at all. I don't know. It's pretty convincing cam. It's, it's ridiculous, pretty horrible. but you know, as far as Vin Diesel apologies go, I don't think there has ever been something of this degree out there. No, but he comes off as a complete nut. In my opinion, he comes off as totally insane. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, would you expect any less from all the 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 steroids that Vin Diesel has to pop when he's filming a movie? Like I, I just think he is living in a different on a different planet altogether. Altogether. It's insane. But we'll see. Fast ten, stay tuned. The saga continues. It's gonna be interesting. Alright, next up, next up, we've got some delay news. Uh, this is not delayed due to, due to COVID, so that's that's good, right? Okay. Just like in and of itself, it's just delayed due to scheduling conflicts. Um, but it's it's a pretty significant project. It's the Star Wars spinoff Rogue Squadron, which if you'll 
remember correctly, is due to be directed by Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins. Um, and this is one of the big projects that they announced at the inve- at Disney's Big Investor Day last year, um, where they dropped all kinds of crazy nuggets and like a zillion Star Wars shows. This was one of the movies that they announced. It was supposed to begin production this coming summer, uh, 2022, and now it has been delayed indefinitely. Um, they're saying oh. scheduling conflicts. I kind of believe that but part of me wonders and i want to i just wanted to get your opinion on this kirk like not to be not to speculate but part of me wonders if disney is just kind of still anxious about dipping its toes back into the feature film waters after you know there was a decent amount of fan backlash and noise uh following the sequel uh sequel trilogy do you think that could at all be contributing or do you think that they're just delaying it? So I need a refresher course because Rogue Squadron, I thought was going to be a series. Is it going to be a film? It's a film. It's a film. Okay. Yes. Okay. Was Oscar Isaac going to be in it? No. Well, then I would have lots of hesitancy to make that a film as well. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like, I don't know when it's really set or anything. I don't know that it's just, I know that it's about like, a rebel battalion of fighter pilots, which is cool. Uh, I think that's something people all enjoy from the Star Wars situation. I, th- I was generally excited about what Patty Jenkins could bring to it, though less so after Wonder Woman 1984, if I could be honest. Uh, but still, still excited about it. But part of me is like, I wonder if Disney's okay with here. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's not that they're avoiding it, but maybe they're like okay with delaying some projects like this because it's like. Well, the TV shows are going well, right? Like, The Mandalorian has been successful. People are generally excited about the book of Boba Fett. They've got some other irons in the fire. Star Wars Visions, for those few people who watched it, was well-received. I really enjoyed it. Um, So I wonder if they're just like, you know what? It's okay. If we have to delay that project, that's okay because it's tough out there. (laughs) And we'll want to make sure we get it right and don't rush anything or whatever. Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps the Disney execs saw Wonder Woman 1984 and suddenly said, "You know, oh gosh, we, get, we are very busy with all the other <laughs> Star Wars properties, and we'll get back to you." But your name's still on the title, but you can accept any job going forward. We'll get back to you. I still think Patty Jenkins is a good director. I think Wonder Woman 1984 is a not very good movie, but. Good directors make bad movies. Bad directors make good movies. It's just, it's something that happens. So true. we'll see. But I thought it was interesting that that, that, that project got delayed and I'm a little bit bummed about it. Um, next up, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has officially begun filming. Uh, this news coming hot off the presses, or that last story was from The Hollywood Reporter, just catching up on credit there. But this one comes straight from James Gunn because that dude is an open book on Twitter, which I very, very much appreciate. My favorite thing that he does is like, uh, quote tweet rumor sites and blow up their rumors. He's just like, nope, that didn't happen. Nope, this isn't happening. <laughs> it's it's incredible. <laughs> like, uh, it's my favorite thing in the world. And he's not mean about it at all. He's just like, no, yeah, we're not doing that. Thanks. <laughs> but anyway, what's interesting about this, and I'm going to pull up the, the picture here while I'm talking, is that he shared, uh, you know, <laughs> what looks to be like a Polaroid type photo of the cast as they're getting ready to shoot the film here and what you'll notice here is we have 
all of our returning folks, you know, Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Batista, Sean Gunn, uh, Pom Clementief, Karen Gillan, and then our newcomer, Will Poulter. And then right there in the back is a new guy, new guy. And that, my friends, is none other than Chuck Woody Iwuji, who is a new he is he's been in tons of stuff okay he's like hasn't had any major roles but he's a newcomer to the marvel cinematic universe and here's what james gunn had to say about him because somebody pointed it out they said hey is that is that chuck woody awuji in the background there has he joined the cast and james gunn said this yes after working with him on peacemaker which is the dc spinoff suicide squad spinoff show that he's doing I wasn't about to let go of one of the best actors I've ever worked with. So I gave him the role most every big name actor in Hollywood wanted. So that leads me to believe that this is a major superhero here. Because if most every big name actor in Hollywood wanted the role, it's not a one time one shot side character. And if he's in the picture with all the other big characters in this film you have to assume that's somebody big i'm thinking we might be looking at a new marvel superhero here a brand new one like new to the mcu right who could he be that sounds amazing i think he could be nova uh richard Ryder, just because just i mean that's the easy one i think because um they're on a they're obviously on a collision course with nova you know adam warlock is now in the fray, um, you know, Nova, uh, Xandar and, and Nova Prime and, and the Nova Corps has been evol- involved this whole time. It's always kind of been a foregone conclusion that Nova would get introduced at some point. So that's sort of my pick, but there are infinite options out there. Um, I'm just guessing like James Gunn thinks this guy's got something. He th- he's called him one of the best actors he's ever worked with and he's given him a big role. So that's my pick, but I mean, the, the opportunities are literally endless. And we'll, you know, they introduced some pretty wacky characters at the end of, uh, you know, in the Eternals post credit scene. So literally all options are on the table at this point, I would say. I love this picture. Um, I know this is a podcast, but maybe we can post it online sometime soon. Because in this picture, it, it reminds me of like the early 2000s when <laughs> celebrities wore regular clothes. I mean, Karen Gillum is wearing a Mickey Mouse t-shirt yep. that I believe that someone in our family wore on a, on a Disney trip and um, no shade here whatsoever, but Will Poulter kind of looks like Lance Bass at a, as yeah, a yeah. glance. Frosted tips um, a little bit almost. That's right. <laughs> that's right. If you just looked at this uh, from a distance and you're like, Oh, what the, you know, in sync, like stop by the, the new uh, James Gunn film. Um, but otherwise it looks, I think I had a shirt that looked just like that, that Chris Pratt had on uh, back in 2009. It's just, it's yeah. very funny and very cool. The whole, it is. The whole picture. And I'll post this video on YouTube eventually. So you'll be able to see the picture, but it's also, if you follow <laughs> James Gunn on Twitter or Instagram, it's out there as well. But I think, you know, guardians volume three is the headline here that it started filming, but the, but the, you know, the big Easter egg here is that I think we've got a new Marvel superhero being born right before our very eyes. And obviously we don't know who it is, but my money's on Nova and uh, it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting to see. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Moving right along. I think we're down to the quick hitters. Well, no, let's talk about this real quick. This is technically a quick hitter, but nothing with Spider-Man is ever quick. (laughs) Um, We 
have a new and before you guys put on earmuffs i'm not talking about the leaks okay not going to do it not going to talk about the leaks if you've seen the leaks you've seen them i can't help you there if you haven't seen seen the leaks and you want to avoid them i don't know like don't go on twitter mute spider-man do something like you have to find some way to avoid it they're everywhere um if you have a timeline that looks anything like mine you've seen it a zillion times so they're out there but we're not going to be talking about that what we are going to be talking about is our very first poster we're about a month away from this movie coming out and we finally got a poster and the poster is one of those things where not saying something is almost more indicative than saying something you know so so we get green goblin we get to actually see green goblin in this poster which of course we had the pumpkin bomb in the trailer. Everybody has known that Will, Willem Dafoe has been tied to this project. It was widely assumed, but this is the first confirmation that Green Goblin is definitely in this movie and that it is the Green Goblin from the San Raimi trilogy. Also in this trailer, we've got a lightning bolt that seems to signify Electro and some blowing sand, which I would say probably, maybe, is Sandman. You know, there's been rumors, so you... You want to think that, and then obviously the Dr. Octopus tentacles. But other than that, the only character we see besides Green Goblin is Spider-Man himself, Kirk. What are your thoughts on this poster? So many things. Uh, all that, all that. The only, the only thing about Sandman is that they made him such a sad character in the Sam Raimi film. Um, the only thing that it could be like a, a bait and switch on us would be if it's Mysterio, because as we know, Mysterio was controlling uh, those big, what are they called? Those those big um, monsters that had like control the over elementals. The, the elements, right? Yeah, the elementals. There we go. Yeah. And he controlled the sand. That would be my only possibility of saying, hey, Mysterio's back in this one as well. That'd be pretty fun. Um, not a uh, not a big fan of Sandman. Uh, at least the Sam Raimi Sandman just didn't pan out. But maybe, maybe we get a new Sandman in Tom Holland's world. Yeah, it's possible that they, you know, that Sony recognizing that you, you, you look, you start to put together the tea leaves here and you say, why they bring Electro back? You know, the Jamie Foxx Electro was not ultra beloved and, and the Amazing Spider-Man 2 was not ultra beloved. And why bring Sandman back if you're bringing Sandman back? Because the third Spider-Man movie was the most you know, was much maligned among the original Sam Raimi trilogy. You start to wonder if <laughs> they're intentionally bringing these characters back at, for a chance at redemption and to increase the rewatchability of those original movies that they came from and that maybe that's yeah. the intention behind it. Um, but yeah, it could be Mysterio. I like that pick too. I think, I think Mysterio being alive is something that I just, it's a foregone conclusion for me. I don't know if that's like if I should be that confident, but I am. Like I just really think that Mysterio is still alive. But to me, my big takeaway from this poster is the fact that there's like no Doctor Strange, no anybody, and it's just Spidey tells me more than it it having those characters. It tells me that there is a lot they don't want to show. You'll notice every single exclusive first look we've gotten at this movie has only shown the same like three things and mm -hmm. every picture that they've shown is only from that one set piece where he's fighting dr octopus on the on the overpass that's it 
That's it. I don't think we've seen anything yet at no, all. Nothing else. I also love, you know, that, that Sam Raimi is going to be directing and is directing and I think filming has concluded on Multiverse of Madness, Doctor yeah. Strange, right? Yeah. So the fact that this comes out first, there's this redemption. I mean, maybe we'll see some of these same villains uh, stream right into the Multiverse of Madness. Right. How cool would that be? Maybe this is a glimpse and we also get Tobey Maguire and we get Andrew Garfield and we get Electro and we get um, Green Goblin in those films in some capacity as well. That'd be pretty sick. Yeah, it would be really cool. Um, I definitely think the fact that they're not showing anything like that just tells me that this is going to be absolutely bananas <laughs> like that most of the rumors that i feel like i've heard are probably true and like that like this this confirms it more than them putting it on the poster to me mm -hmm. like it, it's or just as much i should say and i'm gonna get real close here because it looks like there's like three very specific i don't know what those are like coming out of the smoke First of all, it looks like there's an eye in the smoke there just below his right. Yeah, there's a lot of people po pointing to that and saying, well, you know what they're saying. They're saying Mephisto, which is Mephisto. like, come on, dude. <laughs> but then what are those like three very specific things like coming out? Like, it almost looks like debris, but like, why put that in a poster that you get to design? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. Uh yeah, there's like almost like a Shazam lightning bolt over here on the left-hand side too, which uh -huh, like what uh -huh. in the world is that? Is that just Electro insignia? What are we doing? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's I'm gonna look at it this for, for the next six hours. I, I, I basically have been. So there's there's <laughs> any any number of conclusions can be drawn from it, but one thing is for sure, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Um, all right, quick hitters for real now. First, Taika Waititi has been tapped for directing Disney's Tower of Terror movie starring Scarlett Johansson. So yes. this is coming from the Diz Insider. Uh, so yet to be confirmed, but that is, they have sources saying that that's the case. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, of course, has experience working with Taika on Jojo Rabbit. So this is a good match and her being executive producer on the project uh, leads you to believe that she was heavily involved in the selection of him as director. So does that give you hope for that project a little bit, Kirk? It does. It does. And uh, I mean, the only hope I'll have is if Kirsten Dunst is somehow attached to it. That's... <laughs> Still hanging on to that. <laughs> I will not rest. <laughs> We can Until still have I see that Kirsten's face on that poster. That's all I need. Yeah, all I need. <laughs> it's like you know when everything's going wrong, COVID, uh, <laughs> you know, supply chain catastrophes. The one thing we can hold on to is the shred of hope that Kirsten Dunst makes an appearance in this movie, and that would make everything better. That's um, all I need. I like it. I like it. Okay, next quick hitter. Director Henry Selick, which that that name may not sound familiar to you folks, but uh, he actually is the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline, which I know are two projects that are heavily tied to Tim Burton. Fun fact, Tim Burton was the creator, Henry Selick, the director of those films. Um, so he's got a great repertoire out there. He's making a film for Netflix called Wendell and Wild, starring Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele. And it is in his same textbook, uh, animation style and of that same vein and it's coming to Netflix so so Key and Peele reuniting for a Netflix animated sh animated movie called Wendell and Wild wonderful yeah I'm stoked I like Henry Selleck 
I've, I've been watching Nightmare Before Christmas pretty much nonstop for the last two months. So like I, cause my son is obsessed with it. So, uh, this is, I selfishly threw this in here so I could talk about how amazing that movie <laughs> is and how amazing I expect this to be. But also Coraline is one of the better animated movies that's been released in the last 20 years. Uh, very underrated. So I am, I couldn't be more excited. I don't care if anybody else is excited. I am excited. All right. <laughs> Me. And this is all about me. Next up, Anna de Armas in talks to star in a John Wick spinoff series. Well, mm. spinoff movie that will probably become a franchise. So I said series, but it's really just one movie called Ballerina. Uh, the idea here is it's kind of a Black Widow thing. You know the drill. Like <laughs> Russian sleeper agent type deal. Uh, seeking revenge <laughs> for her troubled past type of thing. Okay, like Yes, it's a trope. Will it be awesome? I have to say yes after watching her as Paloma in, in No Time to Die. Right, Kirk? Absolutely. Anna de Armas, um, I mean, watch out. If you're not watching her already, she is a really, really phenomenal actress. I think she uh, she came in as a, as a fully, um, a fully, is, I can't remember her, na- her native country, but a fully Spanish-speaking actress has learned the language in like rapid speed, like all the way, just as quickly as like 2010 when she she did some sort of like weird like throwaway film with Keanu Reeves. But now, I mean, she is locked in. She is going for the gold here. We're going to see this girl up on the Academy stage. We're going to see her in some of our favorite films. She's already in some of our favorite films, some of the biggest franchise Look out for Ana de Armas. Yeah, she's from Cuba. She's from Cuba. Cuba. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yes, more John Wick, more John Wick things. Also, like, just take Paloma, the character, and put it in the John Wick universe. Yes. And I'm good. It does. You don't have to change it a shred. I mean, it's just perfect as is. Confident she can absolutely slay as an action hero. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz was originally attached to that film according to some rumors and i'm like no offense but this is a an enormous upgrade just yes i don't want to slander chloe grace moretz i mean i kind of do but this is (laughs) this is just for the type of movie that this is this is going to be a much better fit uh yeah you know uh know your strengths know your strengths chloe and this this suits anna better correct deadline reporting that by the way okay next up and finally, is Gal Gadot is the evil queen in Disney's live-action Snow White opposite Rachel Zegler. That's right. Gal Gadot is the evil queen in Snow White opposite Rachel Zegler. What? Yes. There were reports that she was in final talks according to Deadline, and then from there it was confirmed. So that's that's pretty fresh off the presses but that is happening um interesting (laughs) an interesting interesting choice not exactly a type of role that you would typically see her cast in um i don't know if there will be singing involved but that would be interesting for her uh it's just all around interesting i would say yeah that is interesting it will be very interesting to see her transform into the decrepit old like you know (laughs) you should have to right oh yeah they can't cgi a full person when she is 
you know, being the, the character. So maybe maybe that'll be fun for her because she's always has to be, you know, in all of her other roles, she's very proper. In every other role that she takes, there's just this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the same of, role. I mean, she plays the same person in every movie, Right. So it's either royalty or you know the one who uh, the one who got out of uh, of of the bad neighborhood right if we're yeah. think if we're talking like fast and furious uh, to bring it back to Vin Diesel um, always so i think i'm very perplexed more perplexed on that than i am the wicked casting yeah oh yeah i would i would agree i would agree for sure the wicked casting at least you look at it and you go okay yeah i could see how they arrived at that this yeah. one you're like interesting <laughs> just just interesting and like not necessarily i don't know i i'm i'm at a loss for words clearly i can't even i can't even speak but that's <laughs> that's happening according to deadline all right let's move on to what to watch for this week lots of exciting things first of all no time to die is available on vod so if you are avoiding the cinemas or you didn't get a chance to go see it or you're just lazy that's fine laziness is cool too um you can buy it for $19.99 on VOD to rent it. So it's one of those like early cinema, whatever they call it, prime video cinema type things. And you can pay a bunch of money. We've done that for certain movies in the past. You can now do it for No Time to Die. So that's available. Next up, uh, Red Notice drops on, speaking of Gal Gadot and Dwayne Johnson and also Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Red Notice uh, is dropping on Netflix on Friday. I misspoke last week in a social post and thought it was dropping last friday but it was dropping in theaters last friday i had no oh. idea there was a theatrical release tied to this and why in the world did they drop it in theaters one week before it goes on netflix i think that they're thinking red notice will uh, be a contender for the oscars and so that is why they had to drop it before it hit netflix i could tell you just by looking at it that they don't think that like by the way <laughs> by the way that they've marketed the movie that they don't think that but I don't understand what their goal was. I guess they thought people were really chomping at the bit and would pay to go see it a week mm-hmm. before they could see it included in their Netflix subscription. I don't know. Be very interested in the box office numbers for that one week. Yes, agreed. Um and then also this Friday is Disney Plus Day. Disney Plus Day. This is a new event that's new this year to celebrate all things Disney Plus. There's a couple of exciting things coming out around it. I mean, first of all, there are a number of um, different shows and movies and things like that that are dropping on the 12th, including, uh, you know, Jungle Cruise gets removed from the premiere access thing. Shang-Chi makes its debut on Disney Plus. Home Sweet Home Alone, which is the Home Alone reboot, drops on that day. There's a new Luca short (laughs) called Ciao Alberto. Dropping that day, uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum Season 2, and then a bunch of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, a couple of other shows, and Enchanted. Uh, It makes its debut on Disney Plus that day as well. Additionally, Disney is rolling out on the 12th what they're calling IMAX Enhanced Aspect Ratio for all of their, uh, well, for 13 Marvel titles, including Shang-Chi, both Guardians movies, uh, Captain America, Civil War, uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, Black Panther, a bunch of others, which the way that this is working is that, you know how you watch something now on your TV and there's the little black bars at the top and the bottom. This will take those films and bring them to full screen resolution, which you might be asking, isn't full screen bad? Were you always told that full screen was bad? 
growing up. Always. Kirk. Yeah. Always. And here's okay. Let me break this down. Here is the reason why. When Kirk and I were young, TVs mm-hmm. were square. <laughs> right. So yes. in order to get something full screen that was shot in a sixteen nine aspect ratio, you would have to cut off the sides of it. Right. And so you were told to watch it in widescreen, which would give you the black bars at the top and the bottom. Well, now things have flipped. Every, every movie that we watch now is on its tele... Most of us, I would imagine, are watching on widescreen televisions, which are naturally 16-9 aspect ratio. But the black bars are still there for basically aesthetic purposes is, what, is how I understand it. They just... It's shot that... Like, they just do it. But this IMAX enhanced will actually fill in those black bars. So you're not losing anything. You're gaining the... There's actual content in the black bars and you're not cutting anything off of the sides is basically what I'm saying. That, that said, bizarre. this is not true IMAX aspect ratio. Okay? It's not. It's 69 aspect ratio on your TV and you're getting more content, which is good. But maybe this will put an end to the black bars once and for all. Because it's funny, like... Back in the day, everything was shot in 16.9, but we had square TVs. Now we have 16.9 TVs, but everything's shot in IMAX, which is closer to square. So it's like it's like a total reversal. And now we're now we have this. That brings us what to if I, What if I build my own IMAX theater in my basement? What if I do that? Would that enhance my viewing experience? I feel like it wouldn't even work because well, How maybe it would. I don't know. Because like an IMAX screen is closer to one and a half to one ratio yep. versus a sixteen nine, mm-hmm. and so I feel like these these like IMAX enhanced movies aren't actually the IMAX aspect ratio. They're just here's like what, a true sixteen nine sixteen nine full screen. Here's what it looks like. My basement is only nine feet high. High. Okay. I'm going to cut a hole. I'm going to drill a hole into the floor. I'm going to put the projector in that hole. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make all the seats just beds. You will only be lying down. So good luck eating popcorn while you enjoy your movie in IMAX. And then it will project on the ceiling, the popcorn ceiling. The ceiling is popcorn. So you will have a very rough kind of jagged edge yeah. uh, to that because I'm already spending a lot of money on the other renovation. <laughs> but this will be my battle to fully see an IMAX movie in my home what do you and think actually i think it would work out well because one of the things about the imax experience is that you have you have uh speakers above you so mm-hmm. in this case you wouldn't have to actually have to mount any speakers on your ceiling which would be difficult because right. they'd actually be on the floor you'd be watching the movie on the ceiling that's right that's wow. right so they would be they would still be like directly beside you i would just lay them like sound bars just lay them yeah. on the ground next to the seats kirk you're a visionary i think it could work i think it could work well, this is copyrighted, so. That's right. I mean, it's not. It's not legally binding, but we'll, we'll say that it is. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, but the last thing on the Disney Plus day is that if you're not a subscriber, you can, or you were a subscriber and you've since bounced, you can re-up or join for the first time and get your first month for $1.99 of Disney Plus. So, and I assume there will be some promos and trailers and all kinds of stuff going out around that. So, yeah, that's what to watch for. And then we also got some trailers. I'm not going to show the trailers because we've been talking about this for too long, but we got Book of Boba Fett. We got Lightyear, which is the Buzz Lightyear yeah. movie. And uh, there was one other one I had written down. And now I can't remember. 
So many trailers. I know. And now I it's can't not remember. my notes. Anyway, those are the those are the ones that we got. So exciting stuff. All right. That's it for what's popping. We're gonna segue into our review right now. We'll see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. Our executive producer is Ryan Spriggs, and our original music is by Rhetoric. You can check them out on Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. We are on Facebook at Popcorn the Number Four Breakfast, as well as Twitter and Instagram at PFB underscore podcast. Check the description to find out how you can connect with us on Discord, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitch. If you like this episode, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, or review. And if you want more, you can find all of our episodes and videos on popcorn the number four breakfast.com. We'll see you next time. Yeah.